by inspiration of the Spirit, the Apostle Paul, who described himself as an apostle born late and was not physically among the many present on the day of ascension, when the glorified Christ ascended on a cloud into heaven to retake his rightful seat at the right hand of God, nevertheless was the apostle who revealed to us by the Spirit that when Jesus was ascending on high from the Mount of Ascension, he relegated, bestowed, gave gifts of ministry that he himself ministered during his three-and-a-half-year ministry in the flesh unto certain men of his choosing, namely the five ministry gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, unto the purpose of the spiritual edifying or building up of the body of Christ, the reality and role of those giftings and anointings known as the fivefold ministry gifts or functions is the topic of today's program. Welcome to The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on the earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been greater. Jesus prophesied an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the word of God he is revealing in this hour is our goal. Transforming the hearts and minds of believers in Christ to empower them to fulfill the end times purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Fivefold ministry is the ongoing surrogate ministry of Christ himself to the church, his betrothed. All legitimate ministry emanates from Jesus himself and is an extension of his ministry. Unless it emulates his ministry, it's not legitimate ministry. Jesus' three-and-a-half-year fleshly ministry is the model for all genuine ministry. And we can see in the gospel accounts that Jesus functioned in all five of the fivefold ministry offices. Fivefold ministry consists of five functions or offices of function, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. The primary scripture enumerating these offices is verse 11 of Ephesians 4. Relationally, these offices are horizontal, non-hierarchical, and non-authoritarian. These terms are not titles implying authority, 
or entitlement of any kind, but rather terms alluding to specific ministerial functions. The essence and role of the fivefold ministry can only be understood in the context of the church and Christ's relationship with it. Above all else, the church is the Lamb's wife, Revelation 21.9. This is Stephen Lambert. We trust you're enjoying this episode of the Real Truth Podcast. You can submit your comments and questions at realtruthradio.com. The Levitical Priesthood of Fivefold Ministers The best way to initiate the discussion of the focus of this chapter is to continue with the comparison of the priesthood of the believer, or the lay priesthood, juxtaposed to the Levitical priesthood begun in the previous chapter. In that discussion, the reality and validity of the priesthood of the lay believer was established and explained. While it is vital to understand, as established therein, that all believers have a priesthood in which they have been made priests unto God, Revelation 1.6, wherein they minister unto God, or Godward, in praise, prayer, and participation, notwithstanding, it is even more essential that the body of Christ understand that not all believers have been made priests unto the people in order to minister peopleward in the way fivefold ministers have, that is, in spiritual equipping, edification, and education. I am well aware that many of those who are steeped in the charismatic teaching regarding the priesthood of the believer will at first glance reject what I'm saying here, but if you will read it carefully and compare it with Scripture, you will see it aligns with Scripture precisely. The believer indeed has a priesthood, but it is primarily unto God and should not be seen as a universal appointment to minister to others in the way fivefold ministers are appointed and anointed to minister or to stand in the ministry offices they stand in. Otherwise, there would not be a need for fivefold ministry offices, nor would they exist, but they do. Fivefold ministers have been anointed and appointed by God as the primary priests unto the people in the vein of spiritual edification and education or construction and instruction. This ilk of people word ministry emanates from Jesus, is transmitted by the Holy Spirit, and in turn is imparted 
by the fivefold ministers unto the receivers. This is not to say that those not in fivefold ministry are precluded from impartational participation altogether, however, but only that all such ministry is distributed and relegated through the fivefold ministers. The fivefold ministers are God's designated stand ins, his proxies, his surrogates, anointed and appointed by God to minister on his behalf unto his people in the form of spiritual edification and education or spiritual construction and instruction. More on this momentarily. Indeed, God's word explicitly states that, quote, not all, end quote, 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-eight through 30, but rather only some, Ephesians 4, 7 through 11. Believers have been anointed by Jesus with fivefold ministry gifting and appointed to the fivefold ministry presbytery. Thus, we witness again the contrasts that exist between the priesthood of the lay believers and the priesthood of the fivefold ministers. Both priesthoods are essential, but they differ extensively with regard to their nature as well as their function. As it was pointed out in the previous chapter, the differences between the two priesthoods are represented in the typology of the two separate censuses God commanded Moses to take of the Israelites following their deliverance out of Egypt. Remember, God explicitly tells us that all of those Old Testament events, quote, happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come, end quote. 1 Corinthians 10.6, meaning they were types and shadows serving as instructional examples and symbolic paradigms for the end-time church. The story of the two censuses is chronicled in the Old Testament book of Numbers, as it is titled in our English versions. The original Hebrew version was entitled In the Wilderness. On the first day of the second month of the second year of their sojourn through the desolate and arid desert of Sinai, the Lord commanded Moses to number the congregation of the Israelites according to the divisions of the twelve tribes, which were also the divisions of their national army. The details and purposes of this first census we discussed in the previous chapter pointing out that typologically the quote-unquote congregation represented the congregation of lay believers in the New Testament church, and the congregational leaders comprised of the eldest sons of each tribe typified the class of believers alluded to in New Testament passages as deacons, who are congregational leaders or lay leaders in the New Testament church structure. Yes, I realize the word deacon means servant or server, and their assignment was to serve table. But the apostles told the congregation to nominate men that they could put in charge of this task. So the original deacons were leaders who served, 
just like all leaders in the body. The application of this typology to the New Testament church, I also pointed out, is also corroborated by Stephen's reference to this assembly of Israelites as, quote, the congregation, Greek ecclesia, literally called out, English church in the wilderness, Acts 7.38, i.e., the church in the wilderness. God explicitly commanded Moses to totally exclude the tribe of Levi, the Levites, from this census, saying they were not to be numbered among the tribes of the congregation. Rather, they were to be set apart and distinguished from the other tribes because he was consecrating and appointing them the designated attendants of the tabernacle of his holy habitation and its furnishings. The Levites, however, were not numbered among them by their father's tribe, for the Lord had spoken to Moses, saying, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not number, nor shall you number them among the sons of Israel, but you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, and over all its furnishings, and over all that belongs to it. They shall carry the tabernacle and all its furnishing, and they shall take care of it. They shall also camp around the tabernacle. So when the tabernacle is to set out, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle encamps, the Levites shall set it up. But the layman who comes near shall be put to death. And the sons of Israel shall camp, each man by his own standard, according to their armies. But the Levites shall encamp around the tabernacle of the testimony, that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the sons of Israel. So the Levites shall keep charge of the tabernacle of the testimony. Numbers 1, 47 through 53. Then, subsequent to this first census, by which the masses of the congregation were distributed into their respective military regiments, God then commanded that another separate census be taken, this time of the Levites only. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the tribe of Levi near, and set them before Aaron the priest, that they may serve him, and they shall perform the duties for him and for the whole congregation before the tent of meeting, to do the service of the tabernacle. They shall also keep all the furnishings of the tent of meeting, along with the duties of the sons of Israel, to do the service of the tabernacle. You shall thus give the Levites to Aaron and to his sons. They are wholly given to him from among the sons of Israel. So you shall appoint Aaron and his sons, that they may keep their priesthood. But the layman who comes near shall be put to death. Numbers 3, 5 through 10. 
We see in all of this that God himself was commanding that the Levites be set apart and distinguished from the congregation, laity, and the congregational leaders, for they were being appointed by God to a totally different function, a different priesthood than the laity and tribal heads, who, as stated before, were societal and military leaders, whose purview was the natural and mundane matters affecting the nation, whereas the Levites, on the other hand, were the primary spiritual leaders responsible for the spiritual matters and the collective spirituality of the nation, which also entailed the role of government, because the government of the nation at this time was a theocracy. That is, it was under the sole sovereignty of Jehovah God alone, without any civil government. Hence, the Levites were also the chief intermediary governmental leaders of Israel as well. In setting apart the tribe of Levi from the other twelve tribes and consecrating them for specialized service unto him under the types and shadows of the old covenant era, God was establishing the Levitical priesthood as the typological paradigm for the structure of the church in the New Testament era. More specifically, the Levites who God had appointed as the preeminent governmental spiritual leaders within the theocratic framework under which the nation of Israel operated typified the governmental spiritual leaders within the theocracy of the New Testament church, which are the fivefold ministers, who are the present-day proxies of Christ, who himself is the sovereign head of the church. To state it directly, the Old Testament Levites typified the fivefold ministers in the New Testament church. Or, to put it in the obverse, the fivefold ministers are the New Testament counterpart of the Old Testament Levites. Are you enjoying this podcast? Would you take just a minute to think about all the precious resources it takes to produce and make available a resource such as this? Time, talent, thinking, planning, preparing, studying, writing, editing, organizing, recording, audio editing, a multiplicity of post-production and publishing tasks, and on and on it goes. The big professional news and media companies employ 10 to 20 people to produce a presentation such as this podcast at a cost of hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you enjoy the program, would you be so kind as to take a minute and pray to ask God if he would have you lend a helping hand our way in the form of financial support? 
In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash S-L-M-I-N-C to make a donation of any amount. Your gifts would be so greatly appreciated and used for the glory of God in the production of this program. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you abundantly for your generosity and graciousness. Cryptic Corroboration of the Fivefold Ministry Indeed, God has hidden cryptic corroboration, signifying that the Levites typify the fivefold ministers in the New Testament church within the details of the Levitical priesthood in two forms. First, as we shall see momentarily, the general duties and responsibilities of the Levites with regard to the tabernacle were five in number. Secondly, cryptic corroboration is also inherent in the details of the segmentation of the Levitical tribe and the duties delegated to each. God divided the tribe of Levi into two main divisions, comprised of two and three subdivisions, respectively, totaling five. To each division, he assigned different duties and responsibilities. The first division was the sons of Aaron, of which there were two, Eleazar and Ithamar. They were the chief priests who alone were consecrated by God to enter behind the veil in order to perform the services of oblation and to touch the holy objects. Numbers 3, 2 through 10, and 38. They were also the overseers over the Levites and were responsible for seeing to it that the collective duties and responsibilities of the Levites were carried out and performed precisely in accordance with the specification of the ordinances God established for those duties. Chapter 3, verse 32 and chapter 4, verses 16 through 32. This division typified apostles, Eleazar, and prophets, Ithamar. The second division was comprised of the sons of Levi, of which there were three, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. It was this division who actually performed the various duties of tending to assembling, disassembling, and transporting the furnishings and articles of the tabernacle. Respectively, they typified the remaining fivefold ministries, evangelists, Gershonites, pastors, Kohathites, and teachers, Merarites. The Purview of the Levitical Priesthood Having established that the Levites typify the fivefold ministers in the New Testament church, it is vital then to begin to define with specificity the scope as well as the limitations of the purview of responsibility of the Levitical priesthood. Per usual, 
In his instructions, God delineated the precise specifications of the role to which he was appointing the Levites. But you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, and over all its furnishings, and over all that belongs to it. They shall carry the tabernacle, and all its furnishings, and they shall take care of it. They shall also camp around the tabernacle. So when the tabernacle is to set out, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle encamps, the Levites shall set it up. But the layman who comes near shall be put to death. And the sons of Israel shall camp, each man by his own standard, according to their armies. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the sons of Israel. So the Levites shall keep charge of the tabernacle of the testimony. Numbers 1, 50-53 The Levites were put in complete charge of the tabernacle and all its furnishings, and everything involved with tending to it which entailed five general tasks. They were to carry or transport the tabernacle along with all of its appurtenances, take care of it, camp around it, take it down, or disassemble it whenever they broke camp and rejoined their trek. And they set it up or reassembled it when the Israelite company encamped once again. Though the typology of these five responsibilities of the Levites and its New Testament application is not particularly germane to the subject of this article, one of them does relate to our focus, however, that is, the role of fivefold ministry, namely, the requirement God set for the Levites to quote-unquote camp around the tabernacle. God said that this was in order, quote, that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the sons of Israel, end quote, meaning that the Levites, who God had set apart and sanctified, made holy unto himself by declaration, in camping around the tabernacle of God's manifested presence, did protect and preserve the rest of the congregation, the unsanctified, unconsecrated, non-Levitical tribes, from being consumed by the nuclear emanations of the righteous wrath of Almighty God that continuously, but viewlessly, to the natural eye, radiated forth from the tabernacle of the testimony. Indeed, it was for this very reason, when God chose to manifest his divine presence in the midst of this sin-defiled congregation, ecclesia, literally called out, church, in the wilderness, Acts 7.38, that it was absolutely necessary that he set apart, sanctify, and consecrate a certain contingency of their company, who would thus be able to come near to touch and to tend to the holy articles of the tabernacle and to be intermediaries and intercessors between him 
and the people, lest they all be consumed by his awesome and almighty presence, exposure to which unsanctified and mortal flesh and blood can in no wise endure. But in the case of the not thusly consecrated and sanctified non-Levite layman and their approachability to the manifestation of his awesome presence, God solemnly warned, but the layman who comes near shall be put to death, meaning he would die if exposed to the raw radiance of his glory. Amplification regarding such limitations on the spiritual purview of the laity and the judgments incurred when those boundaries were, or are, exceeded, along with the application of the Old Testament types and shadows in the New Testament era, are presented in chapter 7 of the book from which this article is excerpted, Charismatic Captivation. This is Dr. Stephen Lambert. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose.